Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, welcome back into UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Stephen Diener right here, Karen Curtis over there. And we are getting ready for another doozy here for you. So sit back, relax, and get ready to have your mind blown because it's all about alien hotspots today mm-hmm. for episode 31. So I'm going to start with something a little bit different here, Karen. If you're okay with this, I want to ask your permission, okay? Because normally you do our factoid before we get into the meat of the stories and the topics, right? What I'd like, with your permission, is if I, just for today, just for today's episode, if I could take over the factoid for... This 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 one time is that okay? All right. Okay, thank you. Because it's it's quite the little factoid. So I don't. I just found this interesting. So we're talking about again alien hotspots, and Japan has had some interesting stories when it comes to sightings and over their long history as well. I mean, some sightings go back twelve hundred years. But that being said, it kind of led to this. I think in Japan on June twenty fourth of last year, the International UFO Laboratory was established in the UFO Interactive Hall in the district of of the Fukushima Prefecture, which if you remember back in the news, they had the terrible tsunami and the nuclear meltdown, what was it, maybe seven, eight years ago? So in that area of Japan. They actually did it June 24th as they commemorate World UFO Day. So they kind of lined it all, all up together for that reason. The laboratory is Japan's first and only research institute fully devoted Two unidentified flying objects, or as we know them, UFOs. Not kamikazes. No, gosh no. And the interactive hall exhibits some 3,000 materials. Three thousand. They're all related to UFOs and crash sites and things like that. And the, this, uh, this place actually, I mean, just open for a year about, about that. It's attracting as many as 30,000 visitors annually. Well, it, it reminds me, that doesn't seem like a lot, because you're going to find out later in this podcast that, did you know that there's a UFO reported every eight minutes around the globe? How do you like that? And that's why... Every eight minutes! <laughs> now, again, <laughs> you know, maybe 90% of those can be easily explained. Maybe it's somebody who sees Venus and they... That was me this know, morning. It's so bright. It's extremely bright. Maybe it's just the time of year, but you're right. Even I saw it. On the way into work a couple days ago, I'm like, wow, because we come in very early. If you're wondering, why, why are you seeing Venus on the way into work? We're, we're here very early while it's still dark. So when we saw it, we're like, wow, that's super bright. What is that? But then you realize it's Venus. So there's a lot, a lot of times, and I'll say this right off the bat, it can be easily explained. But it's that other maybe 10% that can't be explained. Yeah, Venus is the number one thing in the sky that is misconstrued as a UFO. Now, I wonder, Karen, are they seeing Venus in Chile? Because Chile yeah. boasts the highest number of annual UFO sightings of any nation on Earth. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons, but some people say it's because Chile is such a great place for aliens to hide. They've got desert, mm. mountains, fjords, which are, you know, deep bodies of water in between the mountains. So that they could go in the water, hide in the desert, in the mountains. So maybe that's why. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, because you talk about their ge- uh, geographic location. You're, so, I mean, where it sits in South America, they got these nice, pristine skies. I mean, from what we see anyway, I've never been to Chile, but that's what it looks like. And it kind of gives life to like uh, this exponential development of astronomy in the last few decades, being where they, they're situated on the Earth and the clear skies, you know, they kind of have like a better view and a better angle on things, I guess you can say. Right. Because they have these huge observatories there and their uh, astronomy centers. And for that, I mean, th- that's helped to contribute to the science and astronomy globally, not only globally, but, you know, there as well and they had optimal viewing for ufos so maybe though all those things combined are right. why they see more might be you know but at the same time there's a lot of stories that come out of there a lot of stories and you know in addition to looking up at the sky for ufos if you look from the sky to the ground mm-hmm. there's like more than five thousand ancient geoglyphs ah, i love a good geoglyph <laughs> there's lots of them that's like yeah. a it's like carving in the stone carved in stone um and it's found in the Atacama Desert. Ah, uh, yes. There is something actually called... Did I called... slaughter that? No, no. I think you got it pretty good. The uh, Pretty much the Atacama Desert. And there's something called the Atacama Giants. Right. Which I want to get to in a minute. But first, let's start with the Chilean Navy helicopter. How about that? Yes. Because this is one of the many sightings that have been reported throughout Chile's history. But this is probably one of the more famous ones over history. We actually, in a previous episode... Maybe this goes back 20 episodes now. I'm not even sure. We talked about a Chilean, I think it was a colonel, back in 1980, who him and his team were a part of a a huge publicized sighting. Well, actually, it was kept under wraps for a while. Then it was publicized. But it was a very mysterious one. They still couldn't explain it. They had some missing time. So there's been stuff like this reported throughout Chile's history. And this one specifically goes back to 2004, uh, I guess... um, to be exact, November 11th, 2014. I said 2004, I'm sorry. 2014, and it was a Navy captain and a technician. They were on a routine daytime patrol. It was just a mission flying through the north coast along the, you know, the Chile there, west of Santiago, in case you're wondering. And they filmed what is a UFO. They can't understand what they saw. Now, the Chilean Navy has admitted it can't explain the video filmed by its pilots showing the UFO. And this kind of relates... I think, Karen, to the Tic Tac video. I think that's why I'm thinking 2004, because that was 2004 off the coast of San Diego when our Navy, you know, got the the footage of the famous Tic Tac video that everybody's seen now that kind of started the whole process of government disclosure. And that's why it's so it's kind of a similar scenario. And Chile is very active in disclosing Mm -hmm. UFO sightings. They're like all about it. Yeah, you're that's right. That's why it's you know it's really easy to track it. That's true. They're 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 pretty open. On unlike you know us, and we've opened other up countries. more. That's true. We have become a little bit more open now. Here to add to the the kind of craziness behind the story, the UFO was spotted in broad daylight, and it was filmed using the heli- the, the helicopter's infrared camera. And it's weird. So this is a weird one. We're gonna have the picture. I might actually have up the video. I might I might put up the video because the picture doesn't do it justice. Normally we like to have the pictures up on our blog page, but the video. You think you have to see the video for this to kind of give it the full scope. That's normally when we see a UFO, there's a report of a UFO, UAP. There's no type of you know trail. There's, right. there's no exhaust. Right. For whatever reason. 
on this particular one, it was giving off a strange line of what looks like exhaust. Yeah, actually, this is from the show The Proof is Out There. And, you know, like you said, it didn't show up on the radar of the helicopter. Right. And what it did, it showed up on the infrared camera, the FLIR camera. Yeah. I used to fly in a helicopter and do traffic, and I ran the FLIR camera. So, you so know there's it. an infrared quality to it. So we would help police in searching for people on the ground if they were running from police, a, a right. suspect. They would show up as a warm dot in a forest, you know. So that's what this shows. So the object is warm in the sky. So we see here this is done in infrared. Everything that's white is cooler and everything that is in black is much warmer or hotter, giving off a lot of heat. Based on the thermal camera's readout, the object is hotter than everything else in the frame. And the Navy crew says the object's speed matches their own 130 knots. Then look, the objects seem to release a plume of some sort, not once, but twice. For forensic investigator Chase Klotsky, the plumes are an intriguing sight. I've just never seen anything like this before. And the plume, like, what is that? It's so unusual. Is it gas? Is it vapor? One thing Klotsky is certain about, the video is not a hoax. This case is absolutely the real deal. Chile actually openly investigates their UFOs. So when the Chilean government comes out and says, this is something that has the characteristics of a UAP, you can take it to the bank. So cool. And they said, no, it's not consistent with a drone or a balloon. One guy thought it was a plane dumping fuel or an aircraft contrail, like you suggested. But... Planes only dump fuel really out over the ocean. This right. was near a major city right. with many millions of people. And it was low. It was about 4,000 4, feet. Yeah. yeah. 4,000 feet. So usually contrails of ice only form above 30,000 feet. Exactly. So all that is blown out of the water. So every type of plausible explanation you can think of is basically debunked, which is why even on that show that we got, you know, that you heard that sound there from, um, no one could explain it. And this this why with this particular case, this is a bona fide unidentified flying object, or as we refer to it in the scientific community, unidentified aerial phenomenon, which gave us our name of unidentified alien podcast. See how That's that all right. connects there? I got it. Uh, so it's, it's an acronym for us. Exactly. We it's all about us, Karen. Now, to make it strange, like we said, this never showed up on their radar, and air traffic controllers also confirmed that no aircraft had been authorized to fly in that area where the craft was sighted. And because normally, too, you have to think about this. When there is a military training exercise, the word goes out yes. from the Navy to their, you know, their own air traffic controllers to say, hey, we are flying in this area at so-and-so time. Here's the coordinates. Make sure all commercial aircraft stays away. Now, it's possible that you have some boneheaded pilot who doesn't listen to the order and flies into the practice. Sure. I mean, that's happened before, but normally... And jettisons its fuel? That doesn't happen. What is that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was a long plume, too. When you jettison fuel, it generally goes straight down. And Exactly. And this is something that we always like to point out as well with the stories that we give. A lot of the stories that we give, are they involve what we like to call highly trained professionals. It usually has to do with a pilot, some type of military personnel, right. some type of government official, somebody who's in the know. And aeronautics. Yeah, exactly. Or somebody who would know the difference between, you know, Venus or UFO, you know? And that's what these guys were. These, in, in the words of a general, okay, the director of uh, one of their main investigative, uh, I guess you can say outlets over there in Chile, he said in his quote, they were highly trained professionals, talking about the helicopter pilots, with many years experience, and they were absolutely certain that they could not explain what they saw. There so, you go. 
There it is. <laughs> what was this? Again, we'll have the video up on 850WFTL.com. It looks like two blobs. Yeah. And then, which one guy said, oh, it could be the two engines of an aircraft. Nope. No, but then it would have shown up on radar. But again, you be you be the judge. You know, we we've given you our opinion. We again, we say it all the time. We give you the story. We give you the, the, the testimonies. You decide. You decide. So you can see the video after you heard the testimony. There, it's going to be eight fifty wftlcom dot com. Search under the podcast tab there. You'll see UAP. Just click on that, and you'll find our blog page with everything, not only from this episode, but from past episodes, too. You can go go down the UAP rabbit hole. It's all there. <laughs> it is. It's fun. It is fun, actually. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, when it comes to Chile as well, I don't know if this UFO maybe came from the geoglyphs out of the uh, Atacama Desert there. It's because it's like the Nazca lines are in South America as well. They are. That's right. Yeah, it's also in South America. So, in this one... This is, again, in a big desert in Chile, the Atacama Desert. If we're saying it's, you know, poorly, we apologize. We could try to say it in Spanish, which is Gigante de Atacama. Very nice. That might have been better. I don't know. So it's, <laughs> it's very good. No, this might be harder to say. The geoglyph that we're referring to here, because there's over 5,000. Anthropomorphic. Like Thank you. It's, there's over 5,000 in this desert, like you said, Karen. And a lot of them are pretty easy to understand. They're, you know, they, they resemble different animals or farmers or... Different things like that. But the one that really catches people off guard, aside from the spirals, because there are spirals, and that's very in- intriguing when it comes to geometry and think about spiral galaxy. You also see those <gasps> right, right. in different geoglyphs around the world. Okay, You see the spiral in a lot of different geoglyphs in, in England and things like that as well. So that's also in this desert. But the Crop one that, circles. Yeah, but the one that caught people's eye is this giant. So... <laughs> This is the largest prehistoric anthropomorphic. Did I say it? That's close. Close enough? Yeah. Anthropomorphic? I don't know. The figure in the world. Okay. I know. I can't say it. Anthropomorphic. Thank you. It's that. It's the biggest one in the world with a length of 390 feet. Wow. That's big. It is. It's bigger than a football field. Yeah. They carved it into the into the stone in the desert. Well, the rock, I into guess. The, yeah. I mean, basically what they would do, and this is why these, these geoglyphs um, are able to stay there for so long, they kind of smooth out the sand. They take off that red covering and it uncovers kind of like a lighter part of the sand. And because it's so dry, it's able to basically naturally sustain. Yeah. It doesn't get washed away. Exactly. Right. So these geoglyphs stay there unless some jerk goes and vandalizes it, but, you know, thankfully nobody's done that. <laughs> that only happens in the United States. Yeah, right. So now, we again, bigger than a football field, and it represents what they say is a deity for the local inhabitants, and it was made supposedly, so they say, about a thousand years ago, give, okay. give or take, about 800 to a, 600 to a, to a thousand years ago. Um, and it, so it's been there for a long time. And it untouched. had a purpose. It did, and again, it always goes back to the deities, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Here is the description of why historians think that this anthropomorphic deity was made. In the Atacama Desert of northern Chile, a giant is sleeping. He was put there by a thousand-year-old society we can't place, devised by a people who no longer worship him. In the area around him, there are nearly 5,000 similar geoglyphs, purposeful art placed in the desert by people who had inherent need to understand the patterns of the rain. In a time well before farmers' almanacs, AccuWeather forecasts, and local cable meteorologists, there was a giant. While nobody worships him today, archaeologists are fairly certain they understand his purpose. His body, despite being 390 feet tall and yet nearly invisible when standing next to it, is actually fairly basic by artistic standards. It offers very little in the way of flourish. For those who built it, the intent was almost certainly function more than it was form. 
By aligning the moon with various parts of his body, the ancient people of this desert were able to plan for the rain. Let them calculate both the solar and lunar cycles, and therefore give them the capacity to make plans for the future. It allowed them to compare harvests, weather patterns, and astronomical features over long periods of time. While it would serve poorly as a clock for the day-to-day, -day, by letting them see the moon in a new light, they were guaranteeing themselves a better chance for survival. It isn't surprising to find that they wrote it in stone. All right, so that's all fine and dandy, right? If that's the, the purpose, you know, maybe like a Stonehenge type thing. Right. right? I, I'm all about flourish. So. Oh, I know. It's, you know, they say Stonehenge is like a type of prehistoric calendar, okay? That's one of the theories behind it. So with this, you're talking about for farming, they used it really as a sundial to help well, predict also, the seasons. Uh, yeah, and to predict when it would rain, right. which is never yeah, <laughs> in well, Chile. You know, that's part of the problem of a desert. Right. So my two questions to those theories, and that's, again, if you want to accept those theories, makes sense to me, right? If you're trying to help in those uh, aspects, you're trying to figure things out. That's the best way you know how to do it is, you know, position with the sun. Again, we talked about the geographic location of Chile being a pretty advantageous to UFO sightings. So maybe they, you know, they, they have that advantage. That said, why would you make it so big as to where you can't get a good view of it on the ground? Yeah, that makes no sense. <laughs> so, because if, if you're trying to help yourself as a are you, farmer. Are you somehow becoming airborne back in the 1400s? Right. So if you if you need to know, hey, when is it going to rain today? Yeah, well, let's well, go look at our big giant guy on the ground. <laughs> Let me go climb my ladder and see this giant thing we made. Huh. Hey, Bill, why didn't you make this thing smaller? I don't know. <laughs> so why would you? Bill, <laughs> I doubt it. Yeah, maybe there's a prehistoric guy named Bill in Chile. I don't know. <laughs> but why why would they make it so big? Why would they make it so that you can only see it from the sky? Not only see it from the sky, but get the best view of it from the sky. Right. Right. How how is it useful? And then the second question I have. Why did they make it look the way it looks? Yeah. <laughs> so you have to see a picture of this thing again. We'll refer it's you like to the blog. It's like an alien. I mean, straight up an alien. Yeah. You have to see 850WFTL.com on, on the UAP blog there. You'll see this picture, and this will just leave the picture for you. You don't need a video for this one. Um, it's, it's an alien. I mean, honestly, there's no other way for me to put this. It looks like a classic representation of an alien. It has a long body. Obviously, it's 390 feet long. It has the big eyes. Antenna. It has the square head and antennas, with, which is what they say they used as the sundial to help tell time. But again, my two main questions, and you can, you can see for yourself, and maybe you'll have those questions. Maybe you'll have the answers. But my questions are, why that figure... Why did he look like this? Why, this deity, right? They made it because this is what their deity looked like. They wanted to honor their God, okay? See, and it came from the sky, came the book the sky. of Enoch, oh, the whole thing, you know, that's, are they deities or are they aliens? And that's the thing. In a lot of parts of the world, they didn't know how else to explain it. If you go with, you know, some of the ancient alien theories, they, uh, they talk about some of the gods being actual aliens because the people didn't know how else to explain it. They must, they're thinking, well, this must be the gods coming down to earth to visit us and show us how to do this and how to do farming and how Chariots to Chariots of the gods. Yeah, exactly. So you decide for yourself. I mean, if they're making this, rep this is a representation of their God. Right. Why did their God look like this? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that whole area and surrounding, very commonplace for geoglyphs. So right. something weird's going on. They did an interesting study, though, that was done where NASA's looking into the desert in Chile. And what mm. they're trying to learn from the desert is if we can survive on Mars. Huh. 
could we have a similar dryness as the desert to Mars? It could be the reason why aliens could be so attracted to the land. It's a good theory. I mean, why not, right? I mean, NASA is doing studies there. That's a known fact. If you didn't know that, that is a fact. They are doing studies there yeah. to help. And that's where I do believe they filmed the movie. Martian. Oh, really? Is that... I don't know. They filmed oh. it somewhere. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, they didn't film it on Mars. I don't think you can grow <laughs> potatoes on Mars. Who knows? But here's what they said about the desert being similar to Mars. Chilean astrobiologist Amanda Athua believes the survival of life in the Atacama shows the existence of water on Mars is not necessarily a prerequisite for life. Scientists have found life forms such as fungus and microorganisms in the desert. Until recently, we believed that in areas of Mars, where there was evidence of water, we would find or maximize our chances of finding life. What we are saying here is that we have found places just as dry as Mars on Earth, and yet they are colonized by a variety of different microorganisms. So we went back in search of life forms and said, you know what? There are areas where it previously looked like there was no chance of finding life forms because it was too dry. And we are demonstrating the opposite. Yeah. There you go. So, I mean, it has a similar type of feel to it, a similar type of terrain and dryness. So it's helping them to learn about an alien planet, essentially. I'd, you can't be, it can't be too cold, too wet, or too dry. Right. They find little microorganisms in the ice in the Antarctic. Right. That's right. living, yes. Yeah, so, so it makes you wonder. Maybe there's life a certain, is everywhere. Maybe maybe that's one of the reasons why, you know, Chile has the highest UFO sightings around. But there's billions of galaxies with billions yeah. of stars like our sun with that are surrounded by billions of planets. We cannot assume we're the only thing going in this universe. That's what we think. Yeah. And they might also think that in the UK because that's our next hotspot, Karen. That's right. The UK. These little kids are so smart, by oh the way. Oh my gosh. They Aren't they so well-spoken? Yes. These kids you're going to hear yes. in a second. Oh. <laughs> and it, it reminds me of another story, actually, that I'll, I'll relate. It's super interesting when you kind of connect the dots, which we always do here from previous episodes, corroborating evidence, as we like to call it. So you wouldn't think so, but whales, of all places. Well, that's where they got the stones for Stonehenge. Right, okay, there and you they, go. they bashed them out of the living mountain, and they they rolled them on trees 200 miles. <laughs> <laughs> Makes a lot of sense, they right? built Stonehenge. Whales the has Druids. The highest whales, they have the highest percentage of reported sightings out of all the countries in the UK. Really? To Ireland and England, all, all that good huh. stuff. The most famous case goes back 45 years, when you're going to hear these kids, when, believe it or not, they talk about a cigar-shaped UFO. Yeah. That they saw over their school. Their playground. Their playground. And they, they recall And it wasn't guns. just one kid. Right. It was a handful of A them. handful of kids, which, again, relates to another story, but we'll let them tell their story first. Yeah, so uh, here's a bloody handful of kids that saw something strange. Well, I saw the spaceship. I didn't see the man. The spaceship, it looked a cigar shape with a dome on it. And it had yellowy, orange to red light on the top of it. How clearly did you see it? Well, I, did, I couldn't see its face because it was too far away. Oh, you say you saw a man as well, did you? Yes. And what about him? Well, he was too far away to be seen as well. My friend Philip here was trying to find a way over the stream and I was looking at the bushes up the top of the trees and then uh, suddenly this silver cigar-shaped object seemed to pop up from behind the bushes and uh, trying to take off, then it disappeared again. Are you sure it wasn't perhaps just a helicopter or an aircraft from the airfield near well, here? a helicopter 
woodland there, but it, it's that's private property over there. And if they landed there, they could be prosecuted. And with an aircraft, the only thing that could get in there was a Harrier. Were you frightened at the time? Yes. Why? Well, I thought there would be a whole arm inside there or something. How great are those Or kids? Meghan Markle. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> Prince Harry's coming back. Yeah. How great it was! Because oh my god, I mean, Harrier. Jeez, so brilliant. So that was at the Broadhaven Primary School in Wales, forty-five years ago, believe it or not. In so, Pembrokeshire, Pembrokeshire. Yes. That's where we get Pembroke Pines. Okay. How do you like that? So that was their account of what they said was UFO, cigar-shaped UFO. Very consistent. Exactly. Yes. And that reminds us of a story, which I believe this was in one of our earlier episodes. Back in Zimbabwe. I thought you were going to talk about the photograph. Well, there's there's a couple, actually, right? You took the photograph from uh, England with right. the spaceman, right? Yes. Because, right, there's still, there's two different things. Yeah. But what comes to mind for me is the first thing, anyway, was 19, or early 90s, the school children in Zimbabwe. And you're talking, now there was a handful of kids, right? So if you skeptic, you might say, well, it's just a bunch of kids playing a prank and they're lying to everybody. If you want to think that, go ahead. But they had a pretty descriptive detail about a cigar-shaped UFO. How else would they know about a cigar-shaped UFO? It's not like that was widely reported back in the 1970s in Wales about cigar-shaped UFOs. Exactly. Okay? Not like now where we talk about the different shapes and sizes of UFOs. But it reminds me of that case back in Zimbabwe in the 90s when 30 different school children saw detailed right. description. They and drew, they drew pictures. It. Remember they drew the pictures of the aliens that they saw of the UFOs. That one was uh, the classic kind of disc shape so it's it just makes you wonder you have these different events separated by 20 plus years two different schools two different parts of the world where you have these descriptions of different ufos the thing that gets me really gets me is they're describing to a t a cigar-shaped ufo before really that was a description that but was popular with the dome on the top so it's right. like the saucery kind of look yeah and he had the color and everything. Is Wales near where that Polaroid was taken of the little girl who had the spaceman behind her? It's a great question because, and we've talked about that before in one of our previous podcasts, that was in, um, not Rendlesham Forest. Rendlesham Forest is another famous case that we talked about. But it, it, the name escapes me right now. But it is in England. And it's a weird name. It is, yeah. And we've talked about it. So if you want to go back and listen in one of the previous episodes where the uh, uh, spaceman, it <laughs> looks like a spaceman that was taken on a, a, a Polaroid photo. And so that was in England as well. And it was just snapped in a split second. You couldn't see it with the naked eye. But for whatever reason, in this Polaroid photo, well, that they wasn't near Air Force Base. Yeah, it wasn't too far away. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So um, you can connect the dots. Connect yeah. Connect the dots if you want. It's, it's wild stuff. But here in the U.S., you know, and locally, I mean, here in Florida, we're, we're, we rank third, only behind California for the most reported UFO sightings, right? I think second, actually. Oh, second. Yeah. So it'll give us a little bit more credit. As for, yeah, right. Here in the, here in the States, we'll come back. We, we say locally because we, we're in Florida. If you don't know, we've said it before in other episodes, but we're, we're in Florida, Karen and I, where we do the show here. And when it comes to Florida, something's always going on in Florida, right? I mean, everybody's heard of Florida, man. There's always a Florida connection. Always, always, it's always. It's the Solway Firth Spaceman. Solway Firth, thank Solway, you. Solway, I knew it was, it was driving me nuts. Yeah, Solway Firth Spaceman is what we're referring to with showed up in the picture behind the guy's daughter. Creepy, creepy. Creepy, creepy. Yeah. You can find that in the Solway Firth Spaceman episode that we did uh, back maybe a few months ago. Um, and we have the picture. You can find it. It's all on the blog, 850WFTL.com. Search UAP. 
So, but when it comes to Florida, like you said, Karen, ranks only behind California for the most reported sightings with over almost 6,000, while California almost doubles right. that amount. Right. And that's part of the reason why one of our senators, Marco Rubio, has been pressuring the Pentagon to declassify everything oh, okay. it has on unidentified flight objects. I thought they did. Objects. They didn't? Well, they only classified from 2004 extent. on, right? right. Okay. And, but he was a big reason why, actually, the declassification happened at all last summer. Okay. Cool. Because he was, he was kind of one of the big names, if you will, putting pressure on uh, Congress to, to do that and to talk about w- other life in the universe. Now, we know in Florida, you and I know this especially, we have plenty of defense contractors yeah, right, oh God, around here. Yeah, Whitney. Oh, my gosh, yes. I passed by that before. You know, we talked about in the... It's on the B-Line. Yeah, the B-Line Highway, you know, West they Palm Beach They make jet engines and stuff. They do, but... And I know for a fact, and this is interesting, that I can make this connection. One of our uh, our, our old neighbors... I used to live out in a town called uh, Loxahatchee, and... Which is Turtle Creek in Seminole. That's correct. That's what it means. Um, and, and our neighbor there worked at... The Seminole Pratt Whitney uh, facility uh-huh. on the Beeline Highway in, in the Loxahatchee area of Florida, which if you're not familiar with Loxahatchee, it's basically... Way out west. It's, it's west of West Palm Beach. Everybody knows West Palm Beach. So it's in that same vicinity as far as you know geographic location of West Palm Beach, but just west towards like in between the Lake Okeechobee there. But anyway. Lots uh, of mosquitoes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Don't even get me started Speaking on the Speaking of aircraft. Golly. <laughs> I mean, dino, prehistoric-sized mosquitoes out there. It's ridiculous. But anyway, our neighbor there had told us, he was you know, a Navy man. He's kind of retired, so he worked at Seminole Pratt Whitney. And he said, he's like, yeah, this, there's stuff there that I can't even talk about. Really? Work on. So, and he's told me that before, and I wanted to kind of press him. This was a few years ago before we even started this podcast. Holy moly. But I'll never forget him telling me that. He's like, yeah, there's, I, I can't tell you some of the things that I see there and work on. He had a certain level of clearance. He had top secret clearance to be able to work. At the Seminole Pratt, or I shouldn't say Seminole Pratt, but Pratt-Whitney, Seminole Pratt is the road, it's the Pratt-Whitney uh, facility on the Beeline Highway. So you need, it's it's kind of a secret military base, honestly. Whoa. And so over there, they work on different things. In fact, they had to scrub from Google Earth, there was an image there of a kind of a UFO-shaped craft with like a pointy, a triangle shape. The triangles that we always talk about that were at the Pratt Whitney. <gasps> no, facility. and it showed up on Google Earth because you can scramble areas. Google Earth. That's right. It scrambles all our military bases are scrambled. That's right. Yes. And you can't see them on Google Earth. So they had to do the same thing with Pratt Whitney, apparently. Yeah, huh? it was like an oddly shaped craft. It was a little huh. bit pointy. Well, CBS 12 found it, right? They did. One of our local news affiliates here. They went to get an official answer, but uh, what happened? No. Well, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> they had no what, comment. Yeah. What what pointy shaped thing are you talking about? What secret technology are yeah. you working on? So, And that's the point we're trying to make is with Florida... And that's why we, we wanted to make the point of different well, aerospace industries. We have the Kennedy Space Center. Right. You know, space Force. How many times have the, the SpaceX rockets that have gone off have been mistaken for UFOs down here? So we have a lot of things here, and that's our point. It's kind of a long-winded way of saying that we have a lot of things here that can be mistaken for UFOs, whether it's secret military uh, work that's being done, you know, a, a space shuttle, SpaceX rockets going off. There are, there are things that can be misconstrued but then there's things that we don't know what they are so kind of like the video that came out of miami which has been disputed for in the interest of full disclosure there has been a lot of reports that say well this one was a hoax i know that but you know what i disagree they're saying there were no other witnesses except this one guy that's not true 
That's see, and I, I there I, are other witnesses. Yeah. I covered this when it happened. That's right. I remember talking June about this. June of twenty twenty. That's yes. right. Uh, there's videos, plural. It shows this triangular formation of six mysterious lights hovering over downtown Miami, the skyline. Mm-hmm. And well, here's the audio. Miami, Florida, in June of two thousand twenty. A man on the balcony of a downtown high-rise appears to capture something in the sky, and it's jaw-dropping. Wow. Noble Here's the sky. Sky over here. Downtown. My house. My hand. What the is that? Holy Let's push in on that. At first glance, I'm going to say it looks like a triangular craft rimmed by five lights. But a closer look reveals there's a sixth light, and one light is much brighter. And then... Well, what is that? What the... The lights fan out like they are six different craft. As the witness continues his play-by-play, they zoom off into space at warp speed. Oh, wait, wait. Bye. Author and journalist Alexis Brooks has written and spoken extensively about UFOs. So the question becomes, could this be a UFO? There are a lot of people having a lot of sightings, particularly in more recent years. In fact, it's been known that a sighting is reported every eight seconds globally. Eight seconds? Whoa. I thought it was eight minutes. Wow. It was so wrong. No, I mean, it was eight seconds. It's even less than we thought, even more. My God. Well, okay, so here's the thing one guy says, well, the. The guy that's on his balcony says, here's my house, here's my hand. And then as he's doing the play-by-play, usually there's supposed to be a a little bit of drag time between when something happens in our vision to when we react to it. Okay. A reaction time. All right. And he's like, he seems to know, this guy says, he seems to know what's going to happen. But I don't know. And this guy's also calling it a hoax. As we step through this frame-by-frame, the clouds move and the object doesn't move with the clouds. The object, frame by frame, is changing position while the clouds are more gently moving in one direction. This is evidence of bad tracking, it's called, and it's a process by which you put fake things into real footage to make it look real. And the biggest red flag of all. How could a cluster of UFOs appear over downtown Miami and only one guy notice? Where are the other witnesses? We had one. No. There were more than one. And apparently that's an app that you can use to juxtapose like lights over. Is that right? Yeah. But I I think it was real because there were other people that also posted it. There were other videos. That's true. So I'm not sure why they got there. That was the the show again. uh, The the, the truth is out there. Yeah. Proof is out there. Proof is out there. So we appreciate that from them. But um, yeah, they they got that wrong because we did cover that locally here last summer. Yep. And well, actually, a year and a half ago, um, and there were there were other videos. I remember seeing different videos of it, and we ended up talking about that one because that was the best shot of it. Right. And what people don't understand too, if you're not local, you you have to understand the mindset of a Miami person. Oh yeah. The very chill. Scan discard, move on. That whatever. was crazy. What else? So because they were like, oh, this guy's fishy. He sees the UFO, then he's gonna be like, all right, bye. Yeah, in Miami, that's how it is. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, that was very nothing on point. surprises them in <laughs> no, Miami. He's just like, point. what the heck? It was pretty much the, the reaction I would expect from a person from Miami, honestly. Exactly. <laughs> but again, yeah, we'll have that video up so 
we'll have two videos up. We'll have the video of the yes. Chilean UFO that we talked about with the weird kind of gas trail it was leaving. And then of that one, you can decide for yourself. You know, Please. which are, what, what do you make of these? They say it's a hoax. I say no. Uh, and also, here's another familiar Florida face, a former NASA astronaut. See, I thought that Senator Bill Nelson was an astronaut before he became a U.S. senator. But then I guess I got him mixed up with Tony Nelson. Ah, good old Tony Nelson. Anthony Nelson from <laughs> I Dream of Genie. He lived in Cocoa Beach. Yeah, yeah. but uh, apparently Bill Nelson's an attorney and he's now the NASA administrator. And right. he's like, he he's bought this whole thing, hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. In 1986, of course, he was the second sitting member of Cong- Congress. He did. He is an astronaut. He yes. went into space on. Uh, he was a part of the. Uh, he was a payload specialist on Columbia Space yeah, so Shuttle. He's, Columbia. He's had experience in space, which is why you know one of the reasons he became head of NASA. He's also an attorney. Right. So I mean, a pretty accomplished guy. Now he says. The reason why we bring up Bill I guess Nelson. I'm thinking of John Glenn. Ah, good old John Glenn. Yeah, anyway, go ahead. But we bring up Bill Nelson because, again, reputable name. You know, maybe a little more reputable than than Miami guy there. And but old, he's as old as the earth itself. He's he's pretty old now. But when it comes to Florida, that one in Miami is just one of many sightings that have been reported. And it's most recent, pretty famous sighting that's been talked about recently. And Bill Nelson, again, a Florida senator. He's an astronaut, you know, took off from Cape Canaveral and now the head of NASA in Cape Canaveral. And he says he believes we're not alone. No, he does. Absolutely. And he's told NASA... And this is NASA scientists to examine, I mean, it's an active order from the head of NASA to examine UFO footage, which has never been done before by, by the head of NASA. And he wants them to report their findings if they come up with anything. Yeah. And he also wants this whole Mars thing is really important, too, because he thinks that, you know, it might also lend some credence to the fact that we're not alone. We're looking for life. This is a part of NASA's mission. Are there other planets elsewhere that there is life? Now, I know what you've seen is what those Navy pilots saw in 2004, and there have been some 300 sightings since then. And I've talked to those pilots, and they know they saw something, and their radars locked onto it. And then all of a sudden, it was here on the surface, and then it's there. And they don't know what it is, and we don't know what it is. We hope it's not an adversary here on Earth that has that kind of technology. Uh, but it's something. And that's the bottom line. That's it. I mean, he said it perfectly there. We don't know what it is, but it's something. And I love that he referred to the 2004 Nimitz because, that's, again, we've talked about that's that all the time. That's what began. That's what started this whole thing. Exactly. And you can't explain that away. No one's been able to explain that away in 18 years. No. Still trying. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, wow. There was a lot there. We, we did a lot today. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and you, next week, you're going to stir up the pot with the Pope. Yeah, you know, I was debating on this because... UAP stands for Unidentified Alien Pope. (laughs) I'm afraid I'm going to get excommunicated from the church for doing next next week's episode. Yeah, you're a resident Catholic. Yeah, and next week, I really, it's time. I got to dive into what the Vatican might be keeping secret, because they have a lot of secrets. They have this vault. I mean, there's tons of history in there. Well, there's lots of books of the Bible that talk about weird things in the sky. The Book of Enoch. Well, they, they left it out of the they Bible. They left it out, right. It's one of the, one of the missing books, as they say. Yeah. Um, but I got to dive into it, Karen. We got to go and Do look it. at the Vatican, what they might be hiding when it comes to UFOs and aliens and their existence. What do they know? 
That's so unbelievable. Don't tell me Jesus is an alien. No, we're not going there. Oh, man. That <laughs> we're, not, would, we're not going down that rabbit hole. Ruin my life. <laughs> but until that time next week, again, appreciate everybody that the, the response to the show has been unlike anything we could have ever imagined. Phenomenal. So thank you all. Otherworldly. We're, yes, we're glad you're enjoying it. And please continue to do so by downloading it on Apple and Spotify and right there on 850WFTL.com on the UAP blog page right there on the podcast section of the site you'll find UAP you'll see everything we've talked about on previous episodes you can follow us on Twitter as well at UAPodcast850 and catch up with us there for all the latest updates but until next week we'll talk to you again on uh, episode 32 for Vatican Secrets oh my gosh I can't wait thanks for joining us Karen Curtis there Stephen Diener here have a good one <laughs>